All right. Well, here we you know. Ah, yes, lots of trades breaking around the NHL. We will get to those. Before that, though, I want to just do a shout-out to our favorite people, Boxing Rock Brewing Co. This is the IPA. Absolutely delicious beer. We usually do the puck off. Don't have one at hand at the moment. There's more coming to the door. Always great to have the big beer for the big game. Thank you, Boxing Rock, for supporting Offside Hockey Talk. All right, let's get into the uh, the nitty-gritty here. There's something to happen on the ice that should not happen on the ice. Absolutely disgusting. You don't do this. Okay, Andre Miller knew better. You could see it on his face. He knew after he did it that he done fucked up. And we look back. We are just talking before we jumped on about Brendan Lemieux, how he bit someone, got five games. I think Keandre Miller is either going to get five to ten on this one. Uh, that's despicable. You don't do that stuff. It's gross. Why would you resort to spitting on someone if you're that mad? You know, drop your gloves, chuck some knucks, you know, do something else. But just hawking a loogie in a guy's face, probably hit his visor. But just gnarly, man. Just the thought of it turns my stomach. Like, what are you doing? You're you're in the highest league in the world playing hockey for millions of dollars, and your response to a guy is to hold back and go in his face? Come on. That's the most disrespectful thing you can do now, other than be Jake Paul and lose to Tyson, Tommy Fury. I have a question, and it's only due to like racial shit that happens on the ice. If something racially had been said towards him, how do you feel about that instant? <sighs> I know it's a Obviously, tough question. You know, it's a, it's a loaded question. Obviously, yeah. I would say that if it was, and then yeah, you know what? I mean, then you your scum scum move versus my scum move. It's and yeah. Well, I mean, the old adage they always taught you, Dilly, when you were a kid, is two wrongs don't make a right. Take the high road. I know it's hard to take a high road with a on the like ice. That. It's hard on the ice. It's hard. It, it's very much so is hard. But, um, and I, you know what, I never reached anywhere near the NHL level of play myself. No. Uh, but you know what, the levels I did play when things happened, you were, you got heated. But I oh, would yeah. say that if someone dropped something racial, I would almost say all bets are off. But at the same time, and this is going to sound really bad, I'm not trying to put it this way, but if something racial was set on the ice, then all eyes are on the person who is being called those things and how they respond. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And how they conduct themselves. You want to throw knocks. You want to go nuts like Troy Stetcher did on uh, what's his nuts there over in uh, Anaheim on Zegris. That that to me is what you do. You go crazy. You go ballistic. Um, You make it known what was said. You make it known it was inappropriate. Um, You know, spinning on them kind of takes, you know, what that if it was racially charged that still should be a thing that is taken care of for sure. Yeah, but it takes away from what you will try to bring light to by spitting yeah. on the guy. I'm yeah, not no, saying I mean, this would happen tonight. I don't know if that's No, no, no. I don't think it was either. It was just something that crossed my mind that like but obviously yeah, that too is long a, you know, it's a no fly zone. So you don't do it. You don't yeah. say racial things on the ice and you don't like hold you don't that card like an asshole. So yeah, for me, I look at it and say you know, if you spit on someone because of that situation, again, I think you're taking away from lighting that person up under a spotlight. 
Yeah. Cause it makes it more about what he said and then what you did. If you blow up on him in short fuse, that's, that's understandable. Yeah. That's understandable because you should, but yeah. spitting on a guy again, it just, it would take away from that, but that's not what happened tonight. No, no. Uh, what happened tonight was Keandre Miller spit on a guy and, just a despicable act. You don't do that. And I'm sure the book will be thrown at him. And, you know, rightfully so. It doesn't matter who you are. I don't care if you're Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. It does not matter. You spit on someone. I think that's disgusting. Do not do that, guys. Do not follow in that kind of footsteps. And you could see it on K. Andre Miller's face. He was he was beside himself for doing it. He's You could see that he was fucked. Like, oh, shit. You know, I shouldn't have done that. I know I shouldn't yeah, have done that. Know. Because now like you're labeled, right? You're you're instantly labeled. You look at Brandon Lemieux; he's labeled too. You know, is he labeled as a biter, like a greasy little fucker that does stupid shit like that? Right? It follows you, and it will follow you for a long time. Brad Marchand, looking guys, right? That followed him forever. PK PK doing that slew fit that one year. Slew, yep. But yeah, <clears throat> no, uh, totally uncalled for. I don't think it was. Uh, he didn't look like he was upset at anything, but uh, regardless, it, it's uh, it's something I would probably get pretty amped up about somebody doing Yeah, that. for sure. All right, well, let's swerve it back to these guys right here, the blue and white, who had a game tonight. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, the Maple Leafs this week, Dylan. There was a guy that sat here in this chair last week and said they'd go 3-0. and Said they'd go 3-0. and and uh, I don't see him. I'll just take off my hat and tip it towards everyone. Uh, yeah, I had a feeling they would do well. I did say that it would be a battle in a couple of the games. But you know what? They they played some playoff-style hockey against the Minnesota Wild. The Buffalo game, that was just fun. We got to talk about that on Wednesday night. But uh, it was just fun to see the Leafs finally pump them in Buffalo. Um, you know, pumping six goals. The line with Ryan O'Reilly getting the hattie. Beauty. Mitch Marner looking good, beauty. Um, you know, then you go into mini. And I'll say this about Minnesota, Dylan. The Minnesota game to me was a playoff-style game. Minnesota's good on the PK, good on the power play. They're defensive-minded. They don't score a lot of goals, but they make sure they protect their net. And the yep. Leafs were able to stay with a full game for, and not get frustrated, not take dumb penalties, and shut it down keep it 1-1, then get themselves to overtime. And, of course, Wee Willie walks off the wall, stripping the puck, and just puts it in. And if you haven't already, go listen to Bonesy's call on it. Beauty. Let's go. But then um, I want to know what you think, though. Like this week, obviously, 3-0 is good. Sammy looking good. Yeah. You know, what do you, what do you um, feel about the boys? I know we'll talk about the game to, uh, that just happened uh, shortly. Um, the Buffalo game was not a surprise that O'Reilly was going to score. I didn't think he was going to score a hat trick, but, uh, regardless, it was, it was a beautiful game by him. Um, the Minnesota game, um, I've kind of noticed something about Minnesota and I think it was brought up on, uh, I think it was Steve Dangle's podcast. They are a team that is top on the power play and top on a penalty kill. But on five-on-five, five, they struggle, and they struggle hard on five-on-five. Five. Now, I paid attention to the score today. I do believe there was two power play goals 
both scored by Kirill Kaprizov and an OT winner scored by Kirill. He had a hattie today. They just like they're they're the type of team that I I I know that they kind of lean on Kirill a lot for the offense, and they do have a little bit more of those younger guys coming up and providing that offense. But they don't one have of them. a lot yep. of they don't have a lot of kit guys to look at anymore that are going to score. I, is Zuccarello still on their team? I, I think he is. Yeah, Zooks is their second biggest scorer on their team. And by the way, uh, you know, you talk about the Steve Dangle podcast, but, you know, there's a guy who dropped the prediction season video who mentioned all of those things about Minnesota in that video saying, yeah. you know, five on five, the Leafs should be able to go to town here because mm-hmm. Minnesota struggles in that regard. And they are top five on power play. And they're mm-hmm. top seven in the league on the penalty kill. So their special yeah. teams definitely are top echelon. And they rely on both of those to get them through games, as you just said. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I like, um, I like you see the moves that have been made these past couple of trades and they, they're eating cap to take on some of these picks. Yeah. And I, like, I, I can see them competing for a playoff spot, but I truly don't think that they're going to do a lot of damage, but they are how I see in the East. They're like the Islanders. They can try and beat you a few goals in the game and then play defensively, yep. which I think is a great, like it's boring hockey sometimes, but it, it is a, it is a great system to play sometimes. If you don't have all the offense, like, we do in the sense of our core four, core five. Now, I want to ask you a question here. The Toronto Maple Leafs this week, the power play has not been clicking for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, 0 for 1 tonight. Not a lot of opportunity, obviously. 0 for 2 against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, they got it going a little bit versus Buffalo. Um, you know, And for me, coming out of the All-Star break, my thing was I wanted this team to pick up on the penalty kill. And I've been saying that in our group chats. This team is 12th or 13th in the league. They are climbing. They are going to get better. They are going to be cracking the top 10 if they haven't already because um, they are shutting teams down. They have not allowed a power play goal yet since returning from the All-Star break, which is amazing. It's a great feat, but you're about to go up against a team in the Edmonton Oilers that are going to try your merit with guys like Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, and a guy named Connor McDavid. Uh, we'll get to the week that will be in a moment. But for me, I look at this team and say, okay, now the penalty kill is doing well, but the power play is regressing. One thing that I would like to see here is I would like Ryan O'Reilly placed on that first unit and maybe JT taken off, put Ryan O'Reilly in front of the net, or try to disperse the wealth between both power play units and just see what you can do to get something going. But that's just me. If the power play ain't working, you got to do something. you got to change it up a bit. And I think the Leafs are missing that Jason Spezza-esque kind of net front presence who would Mm -hmm. battle a little bit. I know John Tavares is in the bumper position, but I think they need more of a battler there. Yeah. No, uh, what's our first PP? Riley at the point, Willie... Matthews, Tavares, Marner. Yep. So I think like I, I like, and I know bunting battles in front of the net. Like 
I think he would he would accept excel well, but I do believe I think like I do like having a right-handed shot on this side and a left-handed shot on this side. So I would say keep Mitchie here and Matthews here, put O'Reilly here, and if Bunting or uh, who the hell am I thinking or a Kerfoot, I think Kerfoot could bat like run around the back of the the net and move the puck to like the side guys, and then you take. Willie to the second along with Tavares. And I think that could that could disperse the power play pretty well and the offense pretty well. And it would allow some of the minutes on the power play to be a little bit more even. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're trying to do it the old, the old school kind of way, like the Ovechkin way. Keep that first unit out there for almost a full two. And yeah. then have the other one eat up about 45 seconds, which, okay, I understand. But uh, eventually, like I said in our groups, we you got to have your power play and your penalty kill going full steam, ready to go for the playoffs. And we will see what happens, you know, when we move forward. But the the week that was, ladies and gentlemen, three and zero for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you know they do create some separation now with the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is great. Um, you know, Tampa Bay getting pumped today. I'm just trying to pull up the standings here to, to give an accurate reading of yep. where the wild card and everything is at. So now Toronto with 82 points and Tampa with 78, a four-point spread. Um, Tampa has one game in hand, but, uh, you know, the Leafs, if they want to keep this rolling in the way they need to, they need to make sure they keep banking these points when they matter the most. All right, that was the week that was. Folks, now the week that will be for the Toronto Maple Leafs, well, we have the Edmonton Oilers. A 9 o'clock start time, 10 o'clock out here. And then we have the Maple Leafs and the Flames right after that, the next day, 10 o'clock start time. And then we have the Canucks on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, regular 7 p.m. Eastern start time. So I'm looking at this week and I say, okay, Calgary is fighting for their playoff lives and things aren't going well in Calgary. That could be a game that you win. And that may be Matt Murray's first start for the Maple Leafs in a long, long while, as he is accompanying this team on the road trip and will probably be an option between the pipes. But I do have a little bit of uh, theory here. So he hasn't been pulled off of LTIR yet. He hasn't been placed on the active roster. He is traveling with the team. I think you don't see Matt Murray until Saturday. At the earliest. And here's why. Because Friday is trade deadline day. The Maple Leafs want to make sure they have open cap. So if they want to be able to acquire a player, then they may be able to do so. So I think it depends on who starts in Calgary. That could be a winnable game for the Maple Leafs, whether it's Wool or whether it's Murray. But to me, I think the Leafs leave all of their options open to be able to make moves right up until the last moment and still be able to move Matt Murray back off of LTIR if they have to, or if they want to is what I should say. Yeah. So for me, I look at these three games and I go, I say one, one, and one. <clears throat> and I say the games the Leafs win, uh, it's going to be they beat the Oilers, they go to uh, overtime with the Flames, and they lose on Saturday night to the Canucks. And why do I say that? Because Saturday will be a collective relief for the players on the roster. 
It'll be guys kind of uh, relaxing a little bit and realizing that they're here. There are also maybe new bodies in the lineup, new different things happening with the team, uh, depending on who comes in, who goes out. Uh, a lot of rumblings happening of who may leave the Maple Leafs. But Dylan, what do you have for this week? I got one, one, and one. I'm not as optimistic as I was last week. So you said win against Edmonton or loss against Edmonton? Win against Edmonton, OTL loss against the Flames, and then outright loss to the Canucks. Um, I think an overtime loss against Edmonton. I think Ooh. we're going to win against Calgary and win against Vancouver. So 2 on one Ooh, all right, all right, all right. Dilly's going 2-0-1. All right, folks, that's the week that will be. Make sure you drop your week that will be coming up here. All right, let's get into the GBU, the good, the bad, the ugly, brought to you by our friends over at Smitty Sports Cards, dropping all the beautiful rookies we give away every single hashtag prediction season video time. Um, so the good for me this week, the good is Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Shari paying dividends for the Toronto Maple Leafs, a trade that everyone said would be the, the undoing of Kyle Dubas. Uh, the, the badness, this trade was an overpayment by the Toronto Maple Leafs to get two guys who are physical. And by the way, the Leafs clicking at a 72% face-off rate since Ryan O'Reilly has joined the team. 72% of the times, the Maple Leafs are ending up with the puck on their stick. That is amazing. Hello, Ryan O'Reilly. Hello, Nola Shari. Dylan, what is your good for the week? My good for the week is Giordano with the record of block shots with 2,045, I do believe so. I don't know if he had any more um, blocks after the one that broke See, the record. See, I would have figured you would have saved that for your bearded blue warrior well we can get to that later but uh yeah no geo geo's put his body on the line for i don't know how long he's been in the league but he's he's a true warrior and for him to do what he's doing at 39 years old i do believe so um is is utterly amazing man like he was he's come home to be closer to family and he just loves it here. And he's taken on a bigger role when there was injuries this, this year. And he just, he, he loves it here. I watched that, uh, that special interview with Elliot Freeman and uh, Jeff Merrick. And um, I love every bit of him being here. I fully agree with you. All right. So the bad this week, the bad is Matt Murray may be coming back. And I say that tongue-in-cheek because we all want to see big moves here for the Maple Leafs. We want them to use that $4.4 million in cap space to bring somebody to this roster with impact, and they still may. But I say it as a tongue-in-cheek bad because we like what we're seeing from Sonar. And when Murray has been healthy, Sonar has not played at the same level. Oddly enough, without... Murray nipping at his heels or the fear of losing your crease to another incumbent number one. He's played a lot better. Some goalies like the pressure. It appears that Samsonov does not. So that to me is my bad this week, Dilly. Agree or disagree? I would agree. But I do want to mention that we do currently have 
5.17 in cap space. So there is a little bit of wiggle room if he does come back fully. But yes, of course, we would like to use all of it if at all possible. If there is a move here, though, James, I do see cap going out with the current roster. Oh, definitely. I think there will be something. And I do think there are moves to be had. Um, then the the absolute ugly. The ugly to me um, really just comes down to the, I say the, the blatant disrespect to Kyle Dubas and, you know, the the overall brain trust of the Toronto Maple Leafs. They made a, a move that everyone was clamoring for in Ryan O'Reilly and Noah Shari, but it's just not the move, apparently, that should have been made. But it looks like the right one to me. And we're going to get to some crazy trades, you know, around the glass here uh, in a couple of moments. But, geez, the blatant disrespect to Kyle Dubas who finally adds an impact trade to his resume with two guys that really helped fill out this roster. I mean, to me, that that that's, just doesn't sit well. I, I truly think what Dubas has had to work with and what he has done is amazing. Um, I think everybody is overhyped on the fact that they think we need a coveted another superstar i want to apologize to every leafs fan but that is not possible i'm sorry like unless there was like obviously timo meyer in that deal that was 50 percent uh retained if we had to take on timo meyer at this point i do believe we would have had to do another double retained and yep. I If I take a look at any Stanley Cup winning roster, they have the amount of superstars that we have on the roster right now. I do not care what anybody says. That is the amount of superstars maximum that has been on a roster at a time when winning the Stanley Cup. We need the guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari to bring this group together. And I've, I've listened to the interviews with... Ryan O'Reilly, and he's like, I love this freaking team. I, I, this this whole locker room is gelling well, and they have a great like head on their shoulders is basically what, what he's saying. But he understands, because he's been there, that there's a lot of work to do. He's there to guide them in the right direction and push them past that first round to get that haze out of their head. That is his job. Nolachari's job is to bring the force to the lineup, and boy, has he done that. I, no, respect, I respect the move. I don't care what anybody says. There was people on Twitter today that were like, oh, that trade with Timo, what, what's it comparable to us? And it's like, like, maybe we don't need to move those guys for him right now. Maybe he won't be as impactful with us as we think he is. It's just everybody's immediately there to pick up the next superstar when I like I truly I truly don't think that's what we need at this moment. No, it's not. All right. Well, that is the GBU brought to you by Spinny Sports Cards. All right, let's do a little around the glass. A lot of trades breaking here. So we're gonna be uh we'll dive into some of these and see what we think overpay or good deal or bad deal, whatever it is. And then we'll get into the Bearded Blue Warrior and wrap this old puppy up. 
get Dilly to bed, get me to bed, because there's a lot happening this week. All right, let's start with the uh, the biggest trade that there was, and that is uh, Shea Weber uh, moving to the <laughs> Maybe five years ago, that might have been a big trade. I want to say, though, and I agree with David Alter on this one, we need to retire the words future considerations. Uh, yep. Why can't you just say for cap relief? Why can't you just say traded for, you know, cap space or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Future yeah. considerations is stupid. Rachel Dory, by the way, go follow her over on TikTok. She was on the show a little while ago, but she made a pretty good video about it too. Future considerations could be a Christmas card, a piece of gum, a fruit basket. Hey, it's- thanks. Thanks for helping us win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, basically. Here's a faux ring. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, but uh, there are one of those things- you get out of the beer case. <laughs> yeah, one of those ones. Um, so we talked about the Ryan O'Reilly, no Chari deer. Uh, but the other one was the Boston Bruins. I think it was a direct response to what yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs did, adding Dimitri Orlov and Gar- Garnet Hathaway. I think Hathaway is great. Orlov, a lot of people had differing opinions on, but yeah. you give up Craig Smith who was a roster player. Yep. And this team, when, when you think about roster players, here's what Kyle Dubas was saying for himself. He didn't want to break up any of the continuity that he had with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Did not want to touch anything off of his roster because everyone is in tune with one another and plays for one another. And the Boston Bruins are very much that way. The Boston way is a thing. So you take Craig Smith off that roster, then you peel off a first, second, and third round pick I mean, I know Orlov brings some impact, and Garnet Hathaway also does as well. But excuse me for saying a first, second, and third. That is a steep payment, my friend, to get those two players who I don't think Hathaway is playing in your top six. He's playing in your bottom six. And I don't think Orlov is playing in your top pair, probably maybe your second or third pair depending on what way you want to deploy it. But holy smokes, that's a pretty juicy return for the Washington Capitals for two guys that are pure-ass rentals. Yep. Yeah. So what, do, what yeah. do you think there? Do you think Boston overpaid? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I think I talked about this last week, if I'm not mistaken. I think Boston's D was already made, but, I, like, I mean – what Orlov brings, I guess, is some physicality, and I and Hathaway does as well. But um, I don't think a first, second, and a third plus Smith is is uh, is what what makes the trade even. I think you know somebody you know more coveted. Like if it was an Oshi like esque like rental, I know he's not obviously a rental. No, at this I know point, what but, you're getting at, though. Yeah. A top six, a top six player that I has won the Stanley Cup. I think if if with Washington or with St. Louis, I think it was with Washington. Ooh, Osh, um, Osh won with with Washington. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Like it would be that type of player that I would give up those assets for. That's just me. Yeah, no, I I think it's an overpay by the Boston Bruins. We'll stamp that one overpay, but you never know. It might pay off in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Um, another trade here that. I think it's fair value. And I think it's fair value because the Winnipeg Jets were looking for someone with a little physicality and a little bit of a a storm to them. So El Nino 
comes into the Winnipeg Jets and uh, only costs them a second round pick. And I don't think that's a huge overpay. He's a guy who can produce offensively, can be physical, um, you know, doesn't back down from a challenge, good on the wall, goes in the corners. Uh, pretty much a guy that the Winnipeg Jets fans will love. And yeah. a second-round pick, that's all it costs you. I don't think that's too steep, to be honest. No, I think this is, like, the most realistic trade here. Like, if I'm thinking of NHL 23 trades, like, that would go through, like, a no-brainer. Yeah, that would be a pretty simple one right there. Uh, so we'll label that one for the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators as, a, hey, both people came out with what they wanted. Nashville's yeah. probably on the rebuilding side of things or trying to retool on the fly and getting some picks for it. And uh, Nieder Nieder Ryder obviously gets a new home. Um, we're not even going to talk about the Montreal and Dallas trade. I think that's just uh, a nothing burger to me. Both those players just needed a new home. And well, both the- it was also 50% retained. Yeah, but I mean, really, what is Dallas going to do? Dallas, I don't think Dallas is doing much, in my opinion. I I was really hoping Dallas did a little bit more. If I have a couple of couple of teams that I cheer for in the West because the East screw everybody out out here in the East. It's a battle with us. Yeah, um, but Dallas and Minnesota are my my teams that I like to watch and pay attention to because they're young young players. And I, I, I would like to see Dallas do something because I do believe they're battling at the top of the central there. Um, but uh, they don't have a lot of cap space. so No. I mean, again, to me, it's a, it's a nothing burger on the players. Yeah, the 50% retain is good. Uh, they end up saving. I think it was an extra an additional. On top of the 50%, $60,000 on the contract anyways. So, yeah. you know, they, they got a little bit more space to do something, but we'll see if there is something they can do. That uh, one has been everywhere over the past couple of years. Oh, my God. That guy's just been all over the map. Uh, a trade that does interest me because it was a player that the Toronto Maple Leafs did get try uh, throwing into the Ryan O'Reilly and Olachary deal was Ivan Barbashev. Um, you know, I really wish the Leafs maybe would have pushed a little bit further, but it's they did all try right. for a third player, I heard. Yeah, it was it was Ivan Barbashev. Uh, Elliot Freeman reported that it was. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't happen. Uh, Zach Dean. Uh, draft pick player. Um, you know, some people are high on him. Some people aren't high on him. Uh, really just a magic beans right now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's what, what Zach Dean puts into it, yep. into it. Basically, you know, he, he has whatever he, he basically it's up to him how well he does, I guess. And you know, uh, if he's, I think he's a, he was a former first round. He was a former first round player. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll um, see but, what happens there. But I mean, yeah. obviously, Vegas uh, trying to add some, some, some players, some, some size. mojo, some swagger to their team, and we'll see what happens. Um, Chicago Blackhawks send Jack Johnson back to the Colorado Avalanche. That uh, that's a that's an absolute nothing burger trade. Um, you know, nothing going the other way. The other one that broke tonight was finally Timo time. Uh, our boy Lippy, all excited now. Uh, Timo Meyer, Scott Harrington, Santeri, Hakakaka, uh, Timor, can't even say it, man. Zachary Amond and a fifth round pick go to the New Jersey Devils. Andreas Janssen, Shakir Mukamundala, uh, yep. Nico Okuik, Fabian Zetterland, uh, 2023 first round pick, additional 2024 first round pick. 
and a 2024 seventh round pick going to the San Jose Sharks. I would say this is an even deal. Uh, the Sharks get prospects. The Sharks get a roster player in Andreas Janssen, uh, yes. a couple of picks out of it. So they get exactly what they asked for. The um, the second first rounder, I think, it, when you look at this, makes up for Holtz not being in this deal. Yep. Um, fully conditional, though. I think it's it it's top two protected, and if they decide to, they can uh, make it a twenty fifth if if they so please. And if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals this year or next year, it it becomes something or whatever. I don't know. And he, uh, Timo has to pay, fit, play 50% of the games in the playoffs. Yep. So, I mean, congratulations, New Jersey Devil fans. You got yourself a solid player uh, who will probably be with the organization for a little while. Um, the next big trade is uh, between Philly and Nashville. Um, future considerations comes up again, and Isaac Ratcliffe is going to the Nashville Predators. Uh, that trade happening around 11.30 p.m., uh, one that just came through. But the most overpaid trade of the day to me, so far anyways, we'll see what else shakes out this week, has to be the knee-jerk reaction, maybe panic, from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tanner Janot has five goals and nine assists this season. That's it in 54 games. He hits like a Mack truck. That's great. But when you give up a young defenseman in Cal Foot that you used last year in the playoffs against these very Maple Leafs you're going to face, a fifth-round pick, a fourth-round pick, a third-round pick, a second-round pick, and a first-round pick. For a guy that has popped off literally in one season, that's it. And showing you that this season, maybe last season, was a anomaly. Because the season before that looks a lot like this one. And that season in the middle may be the outlier. But you just spent the 2025 first-round pick, 24, 23, 23, 23 pick. What else are you going to spend for on your roster here when you don't have a lot of cap space? I understand that really you were over a barrel here. But excuse me. Tanner Janot, I mean, maybe you'll make me eat my words, isn't worth the bounty that they just paid. And the Maple Leafs didn't even pay that much for Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Shari. And both of those players also do what? They hit like Mack trucks. We saw it tonight with Nola Shari. Yep. So... Um... Where does this one rank for you, Dilly? Because to me, I'm hanging this one on the overpayment by a mile hook. Just total, my o- total overpayment. If you didn't catch the game today, Tampa lost seven to two, seven to three against Pittsburgh, who has been on a terrible run lately. Crosby got kicked out of a game for the first time. We won't even talk about that, but like. Your defense was crap that game, and you just gave up a roster defenseman for another forward. Listen, I know that uh, Tampa Bay loves, loves to put together their third and fourth lines. You know, we look at the Blake Coleman's, the Barkley Goodrows. You look at the 
the um, Nick Pauls, you look at these guys that come in and, you know, perform basic miracles, I guess, on that bottom six. Man, I, I hope Tanner Janot stops a whole lot of Maple Leafs by hitting them. I really do. Well, yes, he can He can hit. But can he outskate anybody in our bottom six? I don't know. Nuts. Now, especially with guys like Ingwall finally taking a little bit of a stride. Kerfoot's fleet of foot. Nola Chari's fleet of foot and hits. Ryan O'Reilly, not too shabby. Whoever you want to move down. But for me, you pay that much for Tanner Janot. I hope he brings a whole lot for you. I really do. Because if this is your signature move, this trade deadline, holy Hannah. Holy I'm just gonna smokes. say, if you guys don't, if you guys don't survive, I got a song for you. I'm not saying it now. I will only say it at the end. But let me tell you, those boys are gonna be tired, and if he's the one that brings the energy to that lineup, so be it. Listen, that may be the one thing there is. But I'll say this, I believe the Maple Leafs are not done, and I believe a couple of these trades in the Atlantic Division have been reactionary 100%. to what the Leafs have done. And 100%. these moves are clicking for the Maple Leafs, by the way, who are on a three-game win streak. And by the way, I think it's, what, points in now seven of their last six? Six yep. of their last seven, something like that. Sorry. Um, pardon the tiredness, but yes, the Maple Leafs are rolling. And we're looking at teams doling out picks like I don't. I still don't get it. Maybe I'm missing something to the Tanner Janot puzzle. Maybe he gets down there and he definitely gets going. But I'll tell you one thing about Janot going to Tampa. He's definitely going to get a lot more Tanner. Boom. Wow. Went wow. there. Went there. But listen, this week for offside. Before we get into the beard of Blue Warrior is probably going to be helter-skelter, busy. Whenever we can have people on to talk to them, we will sit down and get it done. I know tomorrow night, myself and Pete will be sitting down with Leafs beat reporter Terry Koshan, talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and, you know, just the vibe around this squad, which is vibing right now. But for tonight, we are going to get into our bearded blue warrior segment by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. It is how we close out every single Leafs weekender. And I want to know, Dylan, who is your bearded blue warrior? My bearded blue warrior is Austin freaking Matthews for putting a puck in the net. He's on a roll. That If he gets going, watch out. Watch the F out. All right. Well, we, we, we focus a lot on these Bearded Blue Warriors about something with the Maple Leafs. I'm going to talk about a 29-year-old who hung up the skates after winning the Calder Cup last year and then got a phone call and decided to keep on playing, went to Rockford, and then just popped off. I think it's 50 points in 54 games, signed his NHL deal, and came in to play – for the Chicago Blackhawks, none other than David Gust at 29 years old, getting to jump into the NHL. Thought the dream was dead. My friend, it is not. You persevered. You got the opportunity. Tip of the cap to the Blackhawks for bringing you in. 
I am very happy to say my bearded blue warrior is 29 year old rookie David Gust. Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that right there is offside hockey talk where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. Thank <laughs> you.